Hey, this is Dave Wade. You're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Rock and roll. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Matt Staten discovers why most comedians go to New York or Los Angeles to make it big, and not Chicago. It's a big improv town. It is not very good for stand-up. There's a couple good comics that came out of there. Just the open mics were brutal. Matt will also discuss his dual career as a rock and roll star. Indeed, we will play a song by his band, The Worthmores. We will also hear from an angry conservative. But first, as always, fake news. Now, fake news with me. Bill Maher is taking significant heat after weighing in with a sarcastic tweet on Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow's performance last weekend against Buffalo. Maher tweeted, Wow, Jesus effed Tim Tebow bad, and on Xmas Eve, somewhere in hell, Satan is Tebowing, saying to Hitler, Hey, Buffalo's killing them. Tebow didn't respond and kept his tweets focused on more upbeat messages. See that? He turned the other cheek, didn't he? Whereupon he was sacked by Buffalo linebacker Chris Kelsey again. G to the chimpanzee that purportedly appeared in Tarzan movies in the early 1930s has died of kidney failure at the age of 80, WTSP-TV in Tampa reports. The Suncoast Primate Sanctuary in neighboring Palm Harbor, Florida, says the community has lost a dear friend and family member with the death of Cheetah on December 24th. There's been much speculation, though, about whether this was the real Cheetah from the Tarzan movies. Sanctuary director Deborah Cobb was sure of the chimp's Hollywood credentials because Cheetah was outgoing, loved finger painting, liked to see people laugh, and when photographed, flung his poo. I just like saying flung his poo. Uh, similarly here, Brawl of America! Nine people were arrested after a fight at the Mall of America in the Minneapolis suburb of Bloomington last week. No joke here, I just wanted to say the headline, Brawl of America! By some standards, Republican Mitt Romney, a Mormon, and Christian conservative voters in Iowa are right on the same page. But no candidate has had a harder slog with the evangelical Christians who make up the majority of Iowa caucus goers. In 2008, they rejected Romney, who had campaigned heavily in the state, in favor of fellow evangelical Mike Huckabee. This year, Iowa Republicans have again embraced anyone and everyone but Romney, largely due to his Mormon faith. In a related story, the moron vote is split evenly among the entire GOP field. Authorities say a thief who slipped away with $50,000 worth of margarine, uh, that, by the way, this, that was not my line, that was, I ripped that from the USA Today, uh, uh, slipped away with $50,000 worth of margarine, clever, remains at large even though the truck that carried the payload has been recovered. The trailer was parked awaiting delivery to a Target warehouse in Cedar Falls when it was stolen December 10th from a parking lot near Waterloo, Iowa. It was found December 15th in a parking lot more than 500 miles away in Fowler, Michigan. But the thief and the margarine are nowhere to be found. Waterloo Police Captain Rick Aben says the theft was the latest in a series of semi-trailer thefts that have occurred in the area during the past 18 months. He added the others included a trailer filled with eggs, one loaded with flour, and one carrying sugar. In other news from Michigan, a man from the town of Fowler is now in the Guinness Book of World's Record after he baked the world's largest cookie. You could see that coming, couldn't you? When I started listing all the ingredients in the other trucks. Okay. North Korea's leader escorted his father's hearse in an elaborate state funeral on a bitter snowy day this past Wednesday, bowing and saluting in front of tens of thousands of citizens who wailed and stamped their feet in grief for Kim Jong-il. It was either grief or it was the only way they could keep warm. Son and successor Kim Skip Jong-un was a head mourner on the gray day in Pyongyang, walking with one hand on the black hearse that carried his father's coffin on its roof, his other hand raised in salute. 
Analysts say Kim Jong-un is on the path toward cementing his power, even though the country is experiencing shortages of everything, including cement. Before taking over the country in 1994, Un's father, Kim Jong-il, was groomed for power for 20 years, and yet still had the worst haircut of any world leader. After 20 years of grooming. Kim Il-sun now faces the huge challenges of running a country that struggles to feed its people, even as it pursues a nuclear weapons program that has earned it international sanctions and condemnation and caused the invasion of Iraq. Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin has rejected calls to hold talks with opposition leaders who have brought tens of thousands of Russians into the streets to demand an end to his 12-year rule, saying he doesn't know what the demonstrators want or who he would talk to. Putin said the protesters should also take a bath and get a job. And that's been Fake News with me. So I was racking my brain trying to come up with a bit for this part of the show, and I uh, thought, well, we could do it's Facebook, not Factbook again. And uh, toward that end, I went to the conservative Facebook page, always a source of laughter for me. And uh, I saw this interesting post uh, by a fellow called Angry Conservative. Well, actually, he's called Mr. Conservative, but then when you click on the link, it says Angry Conservative. And at first I thought, well, what better way to dispel the uh, stereotype of the angry white male than to post a video of an angry white male ranting? But I listened to it, and it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, give us a listen. It's about a minute and 30 seconds, and uh, the guy sounds nuts, but listen carefully. What's next? I'll tell you what's next. There's a bill floating through Congress right now called SOPA, the Stop Online Piracy Act. The reason for this bill is to give the government the power to shut down the internet, to shut down any site they want for whatever reason they want, to shut down your Facebook if they don't like what you post. Why does the government want this power? They say it's to stop people from watching SpongeBob SquarePants illegally or to stop people from downloading pirated music. Are you freaking kidding me? You can watch SpongeBob SquarePants 24 hours a day on 17 different stations. You don't need the internet and pirated music. Musicians don't make money off their music anymore. They make it off ticket sales. They make it merchandise. They make it all personal freaking appearances. The reason the government wants the power to shut down the internet is to stop you from getting information. You don't get your information in the paper anymore or the TV. You get it from the internet. How did you find out about the housing crisis? How did you find out it was the government who encouraged freaking bankers to give loans and mortgages to people who couldn't pay them back? The internet. How did you find out about the bailouts? How did you find out about the government taking your money, giving it to bankers, and not caring whether they pay it back? The internet. How did freaking groups like Occupy Wall Street and the freaking Tea Party come to be? They came to be because of the internet. Without the Internet, we would never heard of them. And did they change the world? Of course not. We still have a corrupt government who rips us off. But in the future, hopefully the near future, the Tea Party, Occupy Wall Street, and people who are just plain pissed off at what's going on in this freaking country are going to rise up, are going to make a difference, and they're going to need the internet to do that. And the government doesn't want it. The government wants to keep their stranglehold on freaking society with the help of the media freaking Wall Street. The internet is your voice, and the government wants you to shut up. The internet is your information highway, and the government wants you deaf, dumb, and stupid. If you don't believe me, look it up for yourself while you still have the freaking chance. Sopa, Sopa, Sopa. What's next? What's next? What's next? Okay, a couple of things here. I looked up the Sopa legislation and uh, on the internet, ironically, using Google News. And uh, the legislation isn't designed to shut down the internet, but, but... Uh, if you look at the legislation closely, that is exactly what it could be used for. And I think that's why Mr. Angry Conservative is so upset. So I think what I think is happening here, even though the legislation actually was introduced by uh, Texas Republican Representative Lamar Hunt, 
I still think it sounds like uh, it's a case of Congress may be kowtowing to Hollywood and entertainment interests because don't forget, even I know Hollywood is run by liberals, blah, blah, blah. But remember, they're also run by corporations. And who likes corporations? Well, there you go. And, and they're, of course, they're you know, funding both the Republicans and the Democrats. So I think this is primarily a case of uh, Hollywood and the entertainment industry you know, wanting to, to get something done that's very much in their favor, of course, to, you know, to help protect uh, their assets, I guess, as it were. And with the uh, underlying... Uh, effect of perhaps down the road being used for nefarious purposes, and what with this uh, new legislation we have now, where they can detain U.S. citizens indefinitely for any reason, um, maybe angry conservative guy has something to be angry about. Uh, another interesting thing, uh, I, I, if you're listening to the very end of that, is he mentions Occupy Wall Street. How did freaking groups like Occupy Wall Street and the freaking Tea Party come to be? They came to be because of the internet. Angry conservative man equating Tea Party with Occupy Wall Street? Hmm, just when you thought you had him pegged. And this is what I've been saying all along, is that people are upset. Uh, they just think the blame falls in slightly different areas. And, uh, you know, I think gradually people are coming together. And, uh, you know, maybe angry conservative guy has a point there. And another interesting side note is that uh, this also has bipartisan support on the other side. In other words, uh, well, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi has expressed opposition to the bill, as has Daryl Issa, a, represent a Republican representative from California. So uh, there's bipartisan support for the bill and bipartisan support against the bill. And, uh, you know, it could impact shows like this because uh, under a thing called fair use, I can, you know, play bits and clips from things as long as I'm doing some kind of satire or comedy. So, uh, you know, that it impacts that. And uh, Mr. Angry Conservative points out that, uh, yeah, most bands don't make money anymore from downloads, but they still do make some money. So in other words, if, you know, if a song is being downloaded and it's 99 cents, they, you know, they maybe get a dime or a nickel for that. But, you know, it's still their money, number one. And we had Paul Humphreys from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark on the uh, show a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, actually. And I think it was episode 10. And he pointed out that, of course, 90% uh, of music on the internet isn't paid for anymore, which doesn't make it right. Uh, my daughter and I try to uh, buy songs when we can. But, you know, a lot of songs from, like, the UK uh, aren't released here. And then you have to wait, and there's no other way to get them at all uh, unless, you know, you record them off of YouTube, and then it sounds crappy. So there's really no point in doing that anyway. So uh, sorry this bit wasn't funnier, but uh, I will have links on the Podbean page, pfradio.podbean.com. Uh, Wikipedia has a nice write-up on SOPA. You can read up on it. And uh, interesting stuff. And boy, them conservatives just surprised me again uh, with actually making sense, although in an angry and kind of nutty-sounding way, although I kind of liked it in retrospect. Uh, I'll have the link to uh, Angry Conservative Video as well. Matt Stanton is a comedian from Cincinnati, Ohio, who also performs in the rock band The Worthmores. Now, there are some comedians who are musically inclined, people like Henry Phillips, Tom Wilson, and our friend Mike Travers, who do uh, a lot of comedy music. Then there are those like Matt, uh, where the twain shall never meet. Uh, that would include people like Joe DeRosa and Greg Berent, who performs in the surf punk band The Reigning Monarchs. And uh, Matt discusses his music career, his comedy career, and uh, the city of Chicago as a, a ground for stand-up versus improv in our interview right now. All right, joining us on PF Tape Recorder, it's Matt Stanton, comedian from Cincinnati. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing quite all right. Cool. Uh, this is kind of odd because I know we know each other to say hello to, uh, having seen each other over the years at Go Bananas and such. But I, I really don't know much about you. I didn't realize you were a rock and roller as well as a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I've been playing in bands off and on since high school. 
But, uh, yeah, I actually uh, kind of quit music to do comedy, but now I'm able to be comfortable enough in comedy I can do music again. So what got you interested in the music side of it? Um, I mean, I always liked performers growing up, so I guess just um, that's, I guess rock musicians are kind of the first performers that you kind of get introduced to, so I didn't know about comedy yet, so I think that's why I got into music. I just enjoyed performing. And when did you discover comedy? Comedy, I guess that would be SNL, just for watching Saturday Live. And then when I was about 19, I saw a Brian Regan half-an-hour special, and that made me want to do stand-up again. Oh, there you go. So when did you first do stand-up? Well, um, in seventh grade, they asked us what we wanted to do, and we had to draw a picture. I drew a picture of a stand-up comedian, because that's what I thought everyone on Saturday Live was yet, because I didn't know quite the the improv yeah. actor, like how it was all different. I just thought they were all stand-up comics. Yeah. And uh, so did you get a chance to perform in seventh grade, or is it just that was just the end of the assignment? Oh, I was too terrified. That was about as far as I got. Huh. Okay. And when did you try stand-up comedy for real? For real? I actually, um, September 2004, I did it for the first time, and it went pretty well. And uh, then... The next 10 times, not so well, but eventually it got better. <laughs> That's what they say. So, And then when in that trajectory did you start getting back into music? Um, well, I played music a little bit, but then I moved to Chicago to uh, further my comedy career. Oh. And um, the rest of the band members were thinking about moving, but then they weren't able to. So I did that. Then I was just starting to work and make a little bit of money doing comedy. And then I moved back home to be closer to family. And then I had a little bit of extra free time because uh, comedy, I did, like I would, I'd do a gig like once a month, twice a month, but then I would have a lot of extra time. So I still stayed in contact with all my music friends. So we were able to get back together and, and do that again. And that was, uh, band's been playing for about a year. Okay. What's the band's name? Uh, the Worst Moors. Okay. What kind of stuff do you play? Uh, well, we're a pop-punk band, uh, kind of, I guess, kind of like Ramones core, the old style, or if you're not into music, I guess like Green Day, that's the, most, <laughs> that's the question I ask people. If you're into music, I give you a real obscure answer, and if you're not into it, I just say the most popular band. So, you know, a little uh, quick-paced, kind of just fun songs that are easy to sing along to. Cool. And uh, following the interview in the third half of the show, we'll hopefully be hearing a tune from the Worst Moors. Uh, so when you were in Chicago, was it strictly stand-up, or did you try to do some improv? Because, of course, you know, Chicago, big town for improv with uh, Second City and Improv Olympic. Uh, well, I went up there with a friend who was thinking about doing improv. I was strictly doing stand-up. I just had lived in Cincinnati for 23 years, so I wanted to just loop, move into another city. So I went there strictly for stand-up, and then I see it's a big improv town. It is not very good for stand-up. There's a couple of good comics that came out of there, but oh, yeah. just the open mics were brutal, so I didn't stay in Chicago that long. So it was a bunch of improv people who thought they would be funny, but they really weren't. Yeah, they say in Chicago you end up traveling a lot, like uh, Jimmy Dore and Graham Elwood and Paul Gilmartin, they all came out of there, but and uh, Jimmy Pardo, they all, but they end up having to tour relentlessly pretty quickly throughout the Midwest, because uh, I guess there are not a lot of gigs in Chicago, considering how big a town it is. Uh, you think yeah, in the, in the early 90s, there are a lot of good stand-ups, like Jimmy Dore, Jimmy Pardo, guys like that. But it just trailed off. Yeah, paid gigs. I mean, I got into the first 
the only club really worth working, the Chicago Improv, which is actually 40 miles out in the suburbs. I got in there two weeks into living in town. I was like, oh, wow, sure, I'm glad I signed this 12-month lease. Because, huh. yeah, there's literally no stage time because there's hundreds of comics who do a show for free and who should not get paid to do comedy, but then you're stuck doing shows with them, and you're like, I hate this. So, yeah, you want to hit the road. Yeah, and like you said, it's just more of an improv town. In fact, I think the uh, the Upright uh, Citizens Brigade folks, before they became Upright Citizens Brigade, they actually went from New York to Chicago, if memory serves, to study with Del Close and all them at the Improv Olympic. And uh, so I guess all the standards must leave and go to New York or L.A., yeah, that's that's what happens. It is a, it does have a great act, actors. There's a lot of good actors that lived in that area, like Amy Poehler, Stephen Colbert, guy, yeah. people like that. Tim Meadows, like yeah, I think they're hilarious. But the stand-up scene is there's like ten guys who're like okay, they're pretty funny, but out of eight million, that's not really yeah. good numbers. Not a good ratio. Um, so the obvious question, of course, is have you thought of uh, mixing the, the music with the comedy a la a Henry Phillips or or even <laughs> I, a spinal tap? I think tap? Henry Phillips is really funny, but I will never do that. It's just two completely different sides to me. But uh, I, I'm just not a big fan of it, except with, but if it's done right. Like Henry Phillips yeah. is hilarious, but I just never want to do that. And some one-night shows that I do on the road, they just look at, I did one two months ago. They pulled up my MySpace account, and so then they had my headshot, even though I sent them one. They put a picture of me playing music, so when I got there, everyone was waiting for me what about to that break guitar? my guitar out. <laughs> I'm like, and after the show, they're like, oh, why didn't you do any songs? I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? Because I hadn't seen the poster yet. But yeah, it was a MySpace picture from like 2003 when I was playing music. Huh. Where was that at? That was... Uh, uh, somewhere in Indiana, Hobart, Indiana. Hobart, Indiana, wow. That's funny. Yeah, you really have to seem to have a, a mindset for that, I think. So I know a, a good friend of mine in Pittsburgh does that, and then, of course, there's uh, Tom Wilson and Henry Phillips, as we mentioned. But, yeah, I think you really have to be, like, you got to be in it to win it, I think, if you're going to be doing the comedy music thing. Yeah, you can't do it halfway. Right. I think, yeah, you do have to throw yourself in, and I couldn't do that. I'd be like, eh, eh. Uh, the only guy I can think of that does it occasionally but is still funny about it is uh, Berbiglia. Yeah, Mike Berbiglia, well, he he kind of touches everything. He does right. stories. He can do regular stand-up. He's, yeah. yeah, just a really talented guy. Yeah. So between the music and the comedy, I mean, what, what's, what's your ultimate gig? What would you, where would you like to see the career going? Uh, stand-up. I just want to do stand-up on the road. That's, that's what I love the most. Music, I would love that to be like... Uh, I guess a way to give, my, give myself a break from doing stand-up occasionally, but stand-up comedy is by far the ultimate gig. I mean, I like writing. Uh, like, I write stories and stuff, but just stand-up, that's always the one thing I always go back to. Like, that's always, my mind's always thinking about the next joke, next open mic, next club to try to work. So stand-up comedy is the ultimate goal. Cool, and you got a big show coming up at Go Bananas. Uh, what's, that, what's that about? Uh, I'm featuring, and uh, I record my own CDs. I'm going to be recording another one January 5th through the 8th at Gobanaz Comedy Club, and it's actually the six-year anniversary of my first paid gig ever, which was my first MC week at Gobananas cool. uh, in 2006. Same exact date, January 5th through the 8th. So oh. I really wanted to record, so I thought it was, it was special for me. That's where I started. It started out as a doorman at the club, and they let me 
go up on open mic. So that's what's really important to me. So I think it's kind of cool to record a CD the same exact days. How serendipitous. Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like things are going well for you, sir. Yeah, they are. Great. And uh, everyone can check you out. We'll have links, of course, on the Podbean page to uh, uh, your web information and Go Bananas and the gig there and everything. And uh, uh, good luck to you and continued success. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right, Matt. Bye. Thanks again to Matt Stanton for joining us on PS Tape Recorder. And as promised, we have a tune by the Worthamores. The song is called Made in Taiwan. And uh, yeah, I would say it's an apt description, kind of Green Day-ish, Ramonesy. Uh, I like it a lot. I think you dig it too. This is Made in Taiwan by the Worthamores.
Made in Taiwan by the Worthmores, stand-up comedian Matt Stanton's very serious punk pop group. Okay, just enough time to tell you to like us on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at PF66. The PF Tape Recorder logo is designed by Dan Koble. Uh, music for PF Tape Recorder was composed by Johnny V with a little help from me. Performed by Johnny V, Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Someday I'll play you all of that. There are vocals that go with that, and there apparently is nothing more amusing than people who sing badly. So I think if you guys enjoyed that, you'll enjoy me singing. Okay, or trying to, attempting to. My bouts of singing, as Andy McCluskey uh, described, although he can actually sing. All right, dates. I will be at Mugby's with PF Trivia Live on January 3rd. That is Mugby's uh, in on Beachmont Avenue in Anderson Township in Cincinnati, Ohio. Matt Stanton will be featuring at Go Bananas. Uh, let me see, Thursday, January 5th through Sunday, January 8th. Uh, the headliner is the very funny Tyrone Hawkins from Cincinnati, and your MC is John Bunyan, who I used to write with on the Gary Burbank show. Man, how great a show is that going to be? I highly recommend that. So I'll have links to all that, links to everything else we discussed on the podcast. And other than that, all I have to say is so long, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.